Good morning, church. I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Uh, just a little context here. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this most likely from house arrest while he is in Rome. So to me, it's always nice to, to have that in mind when you read is where he's writing from and, and what he's probably going through. And then contextually, he's just coming off of, in the previous chapter, same letter, maybe it was an end of a page or a different paragraph. He's the, uh, the famous, I press on toward the goal quote is in chapter 3, so I encourage you to read that as well. We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Full disclosure, there are two uh, Greek-Jewish first century names that we're going to just dive right into and see if we can hit those. So uh, anyway, starting in verse 1, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sintaichi to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that word and the context that you put it in. It, uh, to me, always means so much more when we recognize that Paul is writing under cha in chains, that he's writing under guard. He's been imprisoned, and he's not being imprisoned because he's a thief or a murderer or anything akin to that. By the way, he is a murderer, but that's not why he's in jail. He's in jail because he's proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, I think to a certain level, every time we read this letter and several others from Paul, before we even start reading, we need to say, I'm thankful that I'm not in jail as I read this. And I'm thankful that I'm not in jail because I'm proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My joy and my crown. Again, last week we, we brought this phrase up and again mentioned twice in Paul's letters. Once in what we believe to be the earliest of Paul's literature in 1 Thessalonians. And now here in Philippians. Not the latest, but one of the later letters that Paul writes. And I think here in this particular setting, it is not difficult in any way whatsoever for us to say... When Paul says to the, the people in Philippi, 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 that wasn't even a, <laughs> Philippi, that Paul says, my joy and my crown. And, and it is not difficult for us to transpose that, that when Paul looks at you and I and our lives and says, you're my joy and crown, it is the same things that would make Paul talk about us being his joy and crown that makes us the joy of the Lord and this crown, this idea of triumph. The idea that, that and, and if I can put it very specifically, Jesus laid down his life for all of humanity, but I don't think there's any reason that we can't say that Jesus laid his life down for me 
and there's a certain extent to which when you and I live in harmony with God and his purposes in the world and for the kingdom of God to come in our time and place, that Jesus kind of just has to say, a crown. I'm winning in that life. I'm winning in that heart. As much as Satan would try to tear us away from what Jesus wants us to be about, Jesus, when we live for him, we are his joy, the joy of the Lord, and that crown, the victor, comes. And it's not that we are victorious because of our actions, but that Christ is victorious because he has become Lord of our life and the one who rules who we are. Earlier in this letter to Philippi, to the church in Philippi, Paul speaks in chapter 2 some words that are very familiar to us. And to a certain extent, we, we tend sometimes, because we don't often sit in a church service or in a Bible class and read an entire book, we kind of segment things up and we, we grab them and, and hold them without putting them in some more of their context. I don't think the idea of us being joy and crown can be separated from what he says in chapter 2. So let's read together, and then we'll jump to 1 Thessalonians, where similar ideas surrounding the idea of joy and crown come, are spoken as well. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. And again, I would point out to you that Paul says, make my joy complete. But whose joy is complete when our lives are conformed to Christ? Our joy is complete. Those who teach us joy is complete. Our elders and our Bible class teachers' lives are complete. But most importantly... The joy of the Lord is made more complete with us when we are conformed to Christ. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. Have the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. I mean, isn't it interesting how, how quickly we run over this phrase? Because we so desperately want to get to the Christ hymn that we maybe forget and don't notice that our enjoyment, our magnification of Christ and the Christ hymn and the verses to follow are set in this specific circumstance. In your relationships with one another, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the family of God, as Christians united all around the world, as people who love Jesus united up and down this street and all over our community, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus now let's hear the same kind of ideas from 1 Thessalonians. Starting in chapter 3, verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God the Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes. And notice 
that the blameless is so quick for us to kind of put that into the ideas of morality, of sexual immorality, of all kinds of lying and deceit and things like that. But I think the context puts it in the perspective of how much we love each other. Blameless in our love for each other. Holy in the way that we care for one another above ourselves in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Skipping down to chapter 4, you would think he had had enough to say about loving each other, wouldn't you? Except, now about your love for one another. Hadn't we already talked about that, Paul? We do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. Notice that this isn't just the idea of you love the people and you need to get in the context here. In first century Christianity, there is likely not any kind of gathering like this in a central building, but instead there are home churches that meet, which limits the number pretty, pretty greatly as to how many people can gather. And so he says, not only do you love each other in your house church, I want you to love each other all across Philippi, but more than that, I want you to love the brothers and sisters, the family of God, Throughout all of Macedonia. Appreciate the way Peter very often reminds me of our need to see ourselves linked together with churches, other than congregations other than our own. Particularly in this area. Because the more strong churches that are around us, the better that is for all of us. Amen? Love the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. We know you do. But yet we urge you, dear friends, to do so more and more and more. Do you want to add one more to it? And more. I want to affirm that to experience the joy of the Lord and to be God's joy and crown, we must live in peace and love with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we must be more like family than just a congregation. I've mentioned before and I will say again, there have been very few things that have made my heart leap in my chest. And, and again, here, here comes this same process again of God rejoicing and, and seeing you as victors in the battle over who will rule your lives. And when I say my heart leaps, it's because I see you loving and caring for each other. So often in ways that are never noticed by anybody. So often in ways that you find the joy in it without having to tell everybody else what you're doing. Got this note last week and when I opened it and read it last week, literally last Sunday I got this note. Handed to me when they walked into church. If you want your note read on that Sunday, don't hand it to me when you walk into, <laughs> walk into church. But as soon as I opened it and read it. I recognize this fits next Sunday's sermon. Thank you for all the cards, the calls, the prayers, and the ones of you that have just thought of us during the past three months. Each of you are so loved and so special to Vic and I. And I appreciate the Leons reminding us. And by the way, how many of us could, could sign our names to a card like that? And how many people... Who are sitting at home 
on YouTube could say the same thing. We're thankful for the way this church cares for each other. But just as with Paul's message, our love for one another cannot just be something we kind of hit in passing every once in a while because the call of the gospel will always be, if you're going to love God, you're going to have to love each other. Amen? And so the call of the gospel will always be the idea that we need to love each other more and more. Say it with me. And more and more and more. And if, if you're saying, Alan, I'm tired of hearing about love, then it's not me that you need to do business with. It is Father, Son, and particularly the Spirit who clearly is knocking on your heart. Why is love not more central to you, who you are? And why is that message not something that you always want to be reminded of? Because I need to be constantly reminded about it. Paul in one says, You are my joy and my crown. And in two, he has to have another conversation, doesn't he? In chapter 3, he's gone through great... Uh, uh, large controversies that are going on and disputes. There are people who he describes as dogs who probably are somehow related to the group of Christians who said you had to become Jewish to follow Jesus and particularly the act of circumcision. There's another section in chapter 3 where he talks about folks that have taken the liberty and the freedom that we find in Christ and made it about and he will say their God is their stomach. And the idea there is they're just going to live in the flesh. And they're going to proclaim, I'm forgiven so, and, and, they're, and I'm saved by grace through faith. Therefore, there is no rules that I need to follow about my behavior. There are no guidelines in my life that reflect who God is and his good that he wants to be with people. I don't know all the specifics of those arguments, but then he comes to verse 2 of chapter 4 and he mentions two names. I just want you to say them out loud, Yodia and Syntyche. And by the way, however you pronounced it is just fine. I'm certain there's a Greek professor somewhere who will want to argue with you. And for every single Greek professor, I can probably find another one who says, no, no, they're wrong about that. Yodia and Syntyche is what I'm going to call them. Two women who probably led house churches in Philippi who were people who if they didn't lead it at least hosted it because they're not being singled out as folks who have a disagreement and it has nothing to do with the rest of the church it is two women who are in enough of a position of leadership that their argument is draw is breaking the entire church apart and apparently it isn't about something that Paul wants to be sure and say, this one's right and this one's wrong. Maybe it's at Euodia's house church. They have the Lord's Supper before the speaking from the word, the reading of scripture. And maybe at Syntyche's house church, they have the speaking of the word and they have the Lord's Supper afterwards. I don't know what the controversy is about, but what I know is, is that their desire to argue over the things that they disagree about has created 
a, a opposition, a stumbling block to the gospel being proclaimed by the church. And get this, not just the church that they are involved with, but the church across Philippi, and possibly, if we want to let the ripples go a little bit, the church across Macedonia, which he has said that your love to all those people is evident. And so, the division among you may be evident beyond your own little circumstance. And note particularly, I'll say it again, Whatever they are disagreeing about, whatever they are deciding to, and, and get this, to be affront, to, to cause affront over, to push other people away, to divide people over, whatever it is that they've chosen to do, there is not a right and a wrong answer because God, Paul does not solve it by saying, Yodia, you're right. Lord's Supper should always come first. Syntyche, you're right. Lord's Supper should always come second. He doesn't say either one is right. What he says is you have fought over something that should not divide you. Those words ring in my ears. They don't need to ring in your ears because they've already hit home with me with the way that I can so easily label and, and dismiss and in my own heart belittle people because they don't agree with me in some point of difference. Now there are going to be times when I'm going to step up. Your elders will testify that. When I say, no, no, this is wrong. This is contrary to the gospel. But there's far too often where it's just Alan's own idea of how the kingdom and the church ought to be. And I choose to break myself from those people. And I confess that that is contrary to my ability to be a representative for the gospel. I confess it for you and I ask for your forgiveness in any way that I might have offended you. Sharon, led by the Spirit, had us watch. We've seen it at the theater, and we got the DVD Friday night to watch Tom Hanks, one of his latest movies called It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. You're going to hate it if you like whiz-bang action movies because it's quiet. But it isn't quiet emotionally. And there's no action unless you see the way that hearts are being shaped and changed in the movie. It is based on an article that was written in Esquire magazine a couple of decades ago in reality. But in it, we are exposed to Tom Hanks' rendition of Mr. Rogers. You've seen the movie. If you knew Mr. Rogers, there is some point in the movie you're watching and you get confused about who is who because he pulls off the part so incredibly well. But mostly what the movie is about is that he decides to let this author come and interview him and write an article on him because he sees the brokenness 
and the anger in his life. And he believes that he can make a difference in that man's life. He doesn't do it by preaching. He doesn't do it by coercing. He does it. And, he, and by the way, he's not successful multiple times. But he will not give up on the relationship. And every time that the writer decides he wants to re-engage, and by the way, a few times when he's not even invited, he lives in Philadelphia, the writer lives in New York, he travels to New York for something and makes a point to ask him to join him. There's a, a by the way, favorite scene in the movie, they're on the subway in New York City. And they come and they sit down on the subway and some people on the other end of the subway rec recognize Fred Rogers. And they shout across the subway, Hey, Mr. Rogers, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. They start singing. Before they're done, the entire car is singing along. And just between me and you, it reminds me of those moments when this church is gathered together. We don't have any notes on the screen. We don't have any words on the screen. We just want to sing. And one voice will start and another will join. And we come together. Those people on that subway car hadn't spoken to each other from the moment they got on. But when they were going together by song, they recognized that there were things that tied them together as family that they didn't even know about. During the movie, he will, he will tell the writer, this is sign language for friends or friendship. Very powerful sign, isn't it? I, I love this. Don't you love this? Try teaching your two and three year old grandchildren to do this. This is not a natural muscle movement. This is a natural muscle movement. And it not it interesting how often we want to let our fingers slip because of whatever reason. Most of the time, things that simply have to do with the fact that I might have to admit I could be wrong to maintain this relationship or that what I hold with such great conviction is not as important as the friendship that is. I will promise you that if you'll take the two hours to watch the movie and get through the whole thing and you can send me texts all along the movie that says, oh, this is so boring, this is so boring, this is so boring, I will reply to every one of them with this note, keep going. And by the way, if you get to the end of it and you say, that's the most boring movie I've ever watched, then I'm a little worried about the hardness of your heart. Four quick ways to think about love and family. First of all, if we're going to love within the church, it has to start at home. How many things need to start at home? Loving God, loving God's word, and loving each other. Marriages and families 
must work at love. Somebody say amen. And make no mistakes, if you don't work at the love in your marriage, it will be more difficult to work at the love in your family. And if the broken, if there is brokenness in your relationship with your spouse and with your family, that will come with you to the body of Christ. Second, let your work at home lead you to an examination of all your relationships. Do you notice there's a word that Paul used? Gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all. I believe that gentleness will help me in my marriage. And Sharon will say, she's just putting her thumb out. She says, Amen. I believe that gentleness would help you in your relationships with your family. And I believe that gentleness will help you in your relationships with every single person that you encounter. Third, diligently search for the barriers in your heart to loving one another. Diligently search your heart for barriers. The grace of God covers us all. Amen. And I am not accepted by His grace because I have overcome barriers and I have done all kinds of good things. I am accepted by His grace. Amen. But I cannot be His representative if I hold hardness in my heart towards my brothers and sisters in Christ. Appreciate that Joe mentioned it in his prayer. But there is nothing that hurts the witness of the church more than any kind of racism that finds its way into our corporate life or into our personal life. Because God created all the wonderful colors that he has created his humanity in. Amen? And if we do not see them the way God does, then we have a barrier in our heart that puts a barrier between us and others. And if to love God is to love others, then that means that's a barrier in our heart to God's love being more and more and more and more a part of our own. I didn't list the scripture, but 1 John says, confess your sins. Confess your sins one to another and the forgiveness of God will come to you. But we confess our sins one to another because confessing the barriers to Christ and to others will help us. And this isn't in your personal journal. It doesn't need to be a public response to the invitation. But it also doesn't need to be private. That as you diligently search, you need to confess and don't put a whole long list together. I, when I, I'll confess it when I get them all down because you're never going to get to the end of things that the Spirit will open your life up to. And we need to confess them as we see them. And we need to ask the Spirit to help us to love like family and not just be a congregation. I would encourage those of you at home to reach and get your elements for the Lord's Supper. Again, those words from 1 
from Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of the mind Jesus Christ had. Paul calls us to have the mind of Christ in our relationships. And these familiar words, as you hear them again, may they be formative for us, not just in our understanding of Jesus, but in our desire to love one another. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of servant and being made in human likeness. And thereby being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As you eat the bread and drink the cup today, may it not be simply remembrance but a profoundly formative event. Well, wherever she is, we want to wish a happy birthday to Shirley Eves. Join me in saying happy birthday, Shirley. Uh, We are thankful and we recognize that we can't have this view exclusively, but we do still have to be thankful for the fact that we did uh, not get hit, not in fact in any way other than more hot and more humid days uh, from Lara, but there are people on the south central in south central Louisiana, Lake Charles, uh, that are devastated and having to put lives back together. Mike Baumgartner is working to get there and and it go to his site, uh, Disaster Assistance. Uh, look up Mike Baumgartner Disaster Assistance. There may be a, a link even in our caring and sharing that will help you get there. To learn more about that and it wouldn't surprise me if we don't organize when when we can uh, an opportunity for us to go and help uh, on site uh, there as well so keep that in mind also uh, be aware that our brothers and sisters in in the dr and in haiti uh, got some of the worst of this storm very early on significant flooding all over the place joaquin has been communicating that uh, at this point none of the members have been displaced from homes but As you know, disasters like this most affect the impoverished areas of a city. And so there are people who had little and now have less. And Haiti has never had anything but little, and now it has even less. Uh, Craig's sister is there, and there's pictures on her Facebook page of the water running through the village where she lives. And again, we need to keep those people in mind. There are student prayer apples out on the table in the Welcome Center. Please take one if you haven't gotten one already. If you are online with us, we would like to ask you to let us know that you want one and we will put it in an envelope and mail it to us to you. If, you, if you're picky about whose apple you get, then let us know that and we can work something out for you. I'm really glad that I'm going to be praying for Taylor Barton this year and I'm really glad that she's here today uh, for me to get her apple. I may get her to sign it for me or something like that before I go. It's someday 
That's going to be a really famous signature when she's the catcher for the U.S. Olympic softball team or something like that. Or just catching for the ACU Wildcats, either way. Check online the caring and sharing for meal train opportunities. I want to let you know you have been very diligent in praying for my friend Mel Kelder. Mel Kelder has now tested COVID-free, but is going to Dallas for some rehab, and we're just really thankful, and I'm thankful for your prayers, so we celebrate with him. Some things that are updates you may be aware of, but I need to let you know. Tim Marlin went back to ER on Friday with some kind of infection, and they pretty quickly transferred him to Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center. David Taylor, Joanne's son, had a heart attack on Thursday. Spent a couple of nights in the hospital, had to have a couple of stents put in. There are more tests to come, so don't quit praying for David. Sandra Mullins is continuing to have struggle breathing, and, and we don't have a schedule for that surgery yet. Is that correct, Ronnie? The 10th of September, that's a long ways away. Let's pray for Sandra. Also, Peggy Travis asked us to pray for her friend Ken Cunningham, who was hospitalized with COVID and pneumonia. He is now home, and so we rejoice in that. But she, he has asked, that family has asked that we continue to pray for them. We need to pray for Kenosha, Wisconsin. We need to pray for the family of Jacob Black. We need to pray for the police in that city. There are no simple answers to these problems. But the death of any person should hurt us all. Amen? And that anyone would be the victim of rioting and violence should be violence upon us all. Please do not let preconceived notions of color and race impact which side of that conversation you decide to come down on. But to let your heart be gentle towards all and to pray for all. Someday, clearly it's not today, but someday... Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. For some, it may be on the other side of eternity and judgment. And they look and say, I was wrong. It is on this side of eternity that you have the opportunity to say Jesus is Lord. And that needs to be part of the whole life. It needs to be repentance and confession. It needs to be the waters of baptism. But if you're going to confess Jesus is Lord, our relationships with each other need to be about more and more and more, say it with me, and more love. You're welcome to come forward and ask the church to help you confess that Jesus is Lord in any way. You're welcome to grab a friend and share that same confession. If you're online, feel free to text us at this number. If you want to share something privately with us, if you want to share something publicly, there's a prayer request blog, uh, post on our Facebook page that you can post to us.
more and more.